guest speaker. And the, the uh, yeah, um, guest speakers excite me, especially guest speakers who come from the other side of the world. Today, um, we have our guest from Bangkok, Thailand with Impact School Admissions. And um, she's, she's going to rock your world, I think, today. You know, we know that we already talked about how God has a plan. He's got a mission. And when we join with him, uh, then we're really fulfilling what he's called each and every one of us to do. And uh, so she's going to come and speak about his mission and how we're going to join with that. So please welcome Sandra McIntosh. Good morning, everybody. It's really uh, great to be with you this morning. Uh, My husband is actually at the Mississauga site. And um, we, like you heard this morning, live in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, we've lived there for over eight years. And uh, before we moved there, we actually pastored in Brampton, Ontario, at Kennedy Road Tabernacle. We were there for 10 years. And in 2004, we started to really feel that God was telling us that it was our turn to go. And actually, it was the hardest decision I've ever made. We made together, obviously, in our lives probably cried for my first year or so living in Bangkok, even though I know God told us to go. It was brutal leaving the people that you love and just really tore my heart out. But um, God called us to go there and he had a plan for us. And my husband actually is the regional director. So he oversees all the missionaries in the POC from India to Japan. And he um, works with nationals and Um, recruits new missionaries and all kinds of things, opens Bible colleges and all kinds of things. And he travels a lot throughout the whole region. And we've seen God do some pretty exciting things. When we went there, there was only 14 missionaries, and now there are over 60. And we were only in three countries, and now we're in relationship or in some in as well, 13 countries. So it's pretty awesome to see more and more people saying, yes, I realize Jesus said go, and I'm going to go. For the first five and a half years of living there, I worked with an organization that rescued victims of human trafficking. And um, I was the volunteer coordinator there and went out in the streets of Bangkok. Bangkok is known for the sex industry. And it was just an amazing time. But as I was working there, I started to invite young people and young adults to come and work alongside of me from Canada. And over the five and a half years, I had about 16 young people and young adults come and work. And I saw their eyes get open to a whole new world. And Jesus radically change their lives. And I loved that. And it was just like, whoa, this is awesome. I used to be the young adult pastor at KRT before we left and just love that age group and really feel that if you get a hold of who Jesus really is, he makes you come alive. Jesus makes you come alive. And when they see his heart for the world, it changes everything. And I kept saying, I wish the POC had like a mission school or over here, because a lot of our students go to YWAM, and then they don't come back on the mission field, and I wish, I wish, and then finally I heard God say in 2012, then open one. So I was like, what? I'm like 50 years old. I can't fail at 50. And I had all these crazy excuses and fears, but God kept speaking to me, so I did it, and we had we have had three sessions. We offer training for one month in September and January every year, and then we send them to go serve all over Southeast Asia with our global workers and with other ministries. And if you're here this morning and you're 17 to 30, I want you to come. You need to come, okay? Um, I have so many opportunities. We have seven organizations that rescue victims of human trafficking. You can work in the slums with kids. 
You can work in children's homes. You can do church planting, campus ministry, baristas in India, the Philippines, Thailand, Cambodia, Sri Lanka, Myanmar. There's just, I don't think you could come up with something that I couldn't partner you with. So if you are here and want to do something radically with your life, please come and see me at the end of the service. If you have a young adult in your basement, I'll take them. I promise. And I will love them to death. And I will spur them on and try to inspire them with the help of the Holy Spirit to become all that God wants them to be. I actually believe way more people should be going than are. Way, way more. We all default to praying and sending. But Jesus said, go to all of us. So we're going to look at that this morning for a few minutes. And I wonder if you could just pray with me before we begin. Father, I thank you so much for your love. I thank you that you are beautiful and wonderful and awesome. Thank you that when we know you, you made each of us in this room come alive. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I thank you for today. I thank you for everyone is here. And Lord, we just believe that you have something specific to say to each of us. So I pray that you open our hearts and our ears and our eyes to see what you want to say. I thank you that your word is powerful And just in hearing it, we can be transformed in an instant. I need you desperately. I know that I can say nothing that will change a heart, but Lord, you can change us in a moment. So I ask, oh God, that you speak to us. I pray that you call people today. Call people today to the mission field. In Jesus' name, I ask for that. I also ask, oh God, that you call people to rise up and empty their wallets to give and to serve and to send and to love and to pray for the many that will go from this place. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My message this morning is called, How Big Is Your World? And I just want to start by telling you a story. Once upon a time, there was this little frog who lived in the bottom of a deep, dark well. He loved it there. This well had a little shallow bit of water. There was a little rock on the bottom of the well. The sides of the well were covered with moss. And when he was hungry, he would eat insects that had fallen into the well. When he was thirsty, he would drink some of the water. When he was tired, he would just lay back on the rock. And he loved it so much. Sometimes in the day, when he'd look up, he could see clouds passing over the top of the well. At night, sometimes he could see the stars, and he was very comfortable, and he was very happy, and he was very satisfied. Well, this little frog had lived there his whole life, and he'd never, ever been to the outside world. Whenever birds would fly by, sometimes they would perch on the edge of the well, and he'd call out to them and he'd say, Bird, why don't you come down here and see me? I have the most amazing house. It's so beautiful down here. Why don't you come down? And they're like, no, we're not coming down. And then sometimes the birds would um, say to the little frog, hey, frog, hey, what you've got down there is really small. Um, The whole world outside of this well is way bigger than you could ever, ever understand or see. And it's way more beautiful than life down in the bottom of that well. The little frog he would not believe them. He'd say, don't you lie to me. There's no place better than down here at the bottom of the swell. Well, one day, this yellow sparrow flew by and stopped at the edge of the well. And the little frog was so excited. He thought, well, maybe this bird will come and see me. And he says, Mr. Sparrow, will you please come down and visit me? Come down. I want to show you my beautiful house. It's so wonderful. And the sparrow's like, no way. But then 
he flew down to the bottom of the well. He grabbed the frog, threw him on his back, and flew out of the well. Well, the little frog had been in that dark well for so long, he could barely see. So he's like squinting, and he's like, oh, holy, I can't, what's going on out here? And finally, his eyes opened, he adjusted the light, and he's like, what? And he saw the trees and the flowers and the ponds and the animals and the mountains. And he could not believe his eyes. He saw this wonderful pond with fish in it. And he said, the outside world, it's so big. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. And the little sparrow said to him, little frog, how big is the world? He said, it's big. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking me outside of the well, because if I hadn't have gone out, I would never have known there were such things outside of it. The little frog never tried to go back to the well again. Perspective is everything. And I want to ask you this morning, how big is your world? If you would turn with me or look up on the screen, we're going to look at Matthew 26, 36 to 46. And we're going to read God's word together. Let me just read this to you. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here a while while I go and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for an hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And he left them and he went away once more and he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. In this passage of scripture, Jesus' life on earth is about to end. He's in the garden of Gethsemane and it's not a pretty picture. He is in agony. He is so much agony in his heart that he is sweating drops of blood from the emotional torment that he's enduring at this most crucial hour in his life. And Matthew wants us to understand how hard this is for Jesus. And he pens the words he says to his friends, stay with me. And Jesus is making himself vulnerable to his best friends. He's saying, I'm in the most difficult hour of my life, and I desperately need your support. From the disciples' perspective, this is just another day with Jesus. They could not see at all what he was talking about. They struggled to see past their immediate circumstances and their own plans. And Jesus had told them, I'm going to die. But their vision was blurred by their own agendas, their now, what they wanted to do. And their roots were deep in the world even though they were the closest followers of Jesus. They were thinking about things the Bible tells us, like who was going to be the most important? And what position were they going to have in his cabinet? And would they be the favorite of Jesus? And even when Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow, stay with me, watch with me, they can't hear it. They only see with earthly eyes. And I can almost imagine 
them standing there as he's telling them how much pain he's in with their fingers in their ears, as it were, going, la, 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 we can't hear what you're saying, Jesus. They expected Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom, and his death was not part of their plan. Their perspective on the future was self-focused. It was limited. And Jesus had a very different perspective in the Garden of Gethsemane. His eyes were fixed elsewhere. The burden of his heart was steadfast on the world's redemption, and he knew that he had to die in order to save mankind. So he cries out to his followers, please, will you do this with me? Will you pray with me? And being fully human, Jesus understood the full dread of what it meant to die, but he was willing to do what the Father had said. You see, Jesus had a heavenly perspective. A heavenly perspective is completely different than an earthly perspective. If we live with a heavenly perspective, no matter how hard life gets, we want to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose for our lives. That should be more important to us and clearer to us than any other plan, any other agenda, or any other purpose we have. In the garden, while they were watching Jesus in agony, the disciples were governed by their own ideas, their own desires, and their own agendas. The disciples were thinking earthly gain. Jesus was thinking souls. In John 4, there's a story of a woman at the well. You've probably heard it. Jesus is walking through town. He sees this woman at the well, and he stops, and he chats with her. And his disciples, his friends, they walk on into the village. And he starts talking to her, which culturally was something he should never have done. The Samaritans, which she was, and Jews did not like each other. She was also a woman, and at that time, he shouldn't have been talking a woman. And she was also a woman that got around. But we see here in the moment that Jesus had a completely different perspective. He saw her through a heavenly lens. To Jesus, all people are equal. So he didn't see a Samaritan, and he didn't see a woman. He saw an aching, broken heart. So he talks to her. And Jesus was living by that kingdom perspective, God's purpose with God's lens. He knew that she needed a savior and that he was her only hope. So he broke all the rules and he starts talking to her and he gives her a glimpse of a world much bigger than any world that she'd ever seen. The disciples, the Bible says, they come back from their visit into town and they were surprised to see him talking to a woman. And when the woman saw the disciples, it says she left her jar. She went into the town and she started saying, come and see a man who just told me everything about myself. Could this be the Christ? And meanwhile, his disciples come up to Jesus and they say, Rabbi, eat something. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples looked at each other and they said, did somebody come and feed him? You see, Jesus was talking about food, not food. They couldn't see. They just saw a Samaritan woman that he shouldn't have been talking to. They saw with an earthly, fleshly lens. And Jesus knows that they're having a hard time with it. So he says to them, guys, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And I think it's amazing that right here he says this. Don't say four more months and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. Look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. And the Bible says after that, many people believed. He was saying to his friends, look, the harvest is right in front of you. 
It's not about the crowd on the side of a hill. It's not about the multitudes. Get a heavenly perspective. Look right now in your daily life. Look, it's about a woman at a well today. The harvest is right in front of you. You see, the disciples were thinking about appropriate behavior. Jesus was thinking about souls. Matthew 26, 6 to 13. There's a story of the anointing of Jesus. The Bible says, well, Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper. A woman came to him with this alabaster jar of expensive perfume, which she poured on his head while he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant, the Bible says, and they said, why such a waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. It sounds like a very noble thing. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you'll not always have me. Then she poured the perfume on my body. She did it to prepare me for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Again, there's two completely different perspectives. The disciples are thinking about financial loss. Jesus is thinking about her sacrifice and his coming sacrifice for souls. The disciples cannot see. They cannot see clearly. This was a sinful woman. But in that moment, she had more spiritual insight than his very best friends. Jesus said what she did was so incredible that the this story should be told every time the gospel is preached. Their eyes could not bring into view what was important about life. It was limited. Jesus' perspective was always about one thing. Always one thing, lost people. Now, if the closest followers of Jesus who walked with him, who saw the miracles, who saw the beauty of his character, who understood his love in ways that we may never completely understand, if they smelled his skin, if they were earthly focused, I know that seeing with a heavenly perspective is very difficult for us. Life can be crazy. It is busy. We have jobs. We have kids. You're in school. You have assignments. You have deadlines. You have plans and goals and dreams to fulfill. But Jesus is calling us to take our lives in all of those things and allow him to make it a beautiful melody played for the glory of God for only one reason. And that's the salvation of the world. So I want to ask you this morning, through what lens do you look at your life? How big is your world? And I think the Bible is pretty clear about how God wants us to live. His word speaks to us with a shout and not with a whisper. And it says to us in 2 Peter verse 3 and 9 that God's will is this, that none should perish. What's God's will? That none should perish. In the story with the woman, all that Jesus can think about is her soul. The story goes from with a woman at a jar to the urgency about reaching lost people. His disciples were obviously oblivious to this again and again. And I know for us in the Christian world, we can become like the disciples. We can be like that frog in the well. We have a hard time seeing very far. It gets comfortable in the Christian world. And we can become numb to the pain that is right outside the doors here or in your neighborhood. We want our lives often to be this beautiful, 
wonderful thing. We come together in church on Sunday and we sing nice songs and we hear a message and we do all our group things and it's wonderful and we want a good, comfortable life. And when we have that comfortable life, we go, oh, God's blessing us. Isn't this beautiful? Isn't this wonderful? We're happy. And we forget the call of the cross is about surrender and death to self and sacrifice and ridicule and standing for Jesus and paying a price and obeying the commission to go so everyone gets to know that they could get to heaven. It's easy to be self-focused. It's something we all fight every single day. And it's hard for some of us to know the global purposes of God, that he is a multinational, multi-ethnic multi-linguistic cause that his passion is for people from everywhere he loves all people exactly the same he loves vietnam he loves thailand he loves india he loves the philippines he loves africa he loves south america he loves europe he loves north america he loves every single person on this earth and he has a very very different perspective than we do everything we have Everything you do, your gifts, your education, your talents, where you live, it's all for one reason. You're here on the earth for only one reason. And that's to bring salvation to this world. Your life is about lifting Jesus high. Nothing else. Showing how beautiful Jesus is. Showing the awesomeness of our Savior. That he lifts us from the guilt and the pain and the shame. And that they get an eternity in heaven forever with him. When we accepted Jesus, we accepted, we signed up to carry a cross. Our purpose is here to bring people to Christ and there is a price to pay. In Southeast Asia where I live, God is using ordinary people from all walks of life to do extraordinary things. We have workers who are there rescuing victims of human trafficking, training leaders, helping the poor, bringing people out of slavery. People are in campus ministries, children's homes, business as mission, because they realize that Jesus said go. And that when he was saying go, he was talking to them. I want to ask you this morning, will you respond to that call to go? The call to go is not for hippies and freaks only. It's for everybody. You just have to decide what that means for you. In Southeast Asia, we see the beauty of God in every person. But it's also a place filled with terrible brokenness. 66% divorce rate in Thailand. 80% of Thai men also go to prostitutes. And they give their sons between the ages of 12 and 15 their first encounter, sexual encounter with a woman in prostitution. There is epidemic gender confusion. There is incest. Evil spirits in almost everyone. Everyone in Southeast Asia knows that they're a spiritual being and have invited and daily worship spirits full of demons. That's the world that I live in. There are so many people that are aching to know that there is a God that loves them. The sin in a country that has no Christian heritage is in your face. There are thousands of people in the sex industry. There's so much soul pain. And Jesus said, go to all of us. That means me. That means you. We just have to figure out what that looks like. And if you don't stay in close relationship with Jesus, you will easily be swallowed up by the earth's values, goals, and you will lose that heavenly perspective. Your life will just be about you 
and your family and nothing else. And frankly, usually for you, if you feel that way, Mission Sundays are the most boring because those missionaries get up and tell about all the people somewhere else that need God. Years I lived like that myself. I used to think Mission Sundays were the most boring. And if they wore those stupid suits, it was even worse for me. For many years, I lived like that. God's kingdom is about salvation, redemption, reconciliation, brokenness healed, holiness, purity, hope, joy, life for the people of all the earth. Remember when you first met Jesus? Remember how that moment felt? It was life-changing. You know, I accepted Jesus when I was eight, but I remember. I remember for the first time hearing that Jesus died on the cross and that I was a sinner. It was at this kid's crusade. And when I heard it, I accepted Jesus that day. And I ran out to the car to my mother. And I said, Mom, I'm a sinner. I accepted Jesus today. She goes, that's very good, Sandra. My little eight-year-old self was so excited. And if you've met someone who's lived a really hard, pain-filled life, when they accept Jesus, they're like a dog after a bath. Anybody have a dog? When you bathe your dog, they lose it. They go running around the yard. They're like, Nee! shaking every bit of water off of them. That's what a new believer is like. They get the joy of their salvation, and they want to tell every single person about what has happened to them. They go around like, I'm free. I'm clean. I finally came alive. And after serving the Lord for a while, you can lose the joy. And it's hard to remember the depths from which you've been pulled and how great the sacrifice it was for Jesus to die. He became one of us to reach us. He was the first missionary. Losing the joy of self, my salvation happened to me, and I needed an awakening. And Jesus filled me up with his love again. And I had a personal revival. And my heart started to ache for people who didn't know Jesus, which it hadn't before, and I'd been in the church for years. And then it started to ache for people who were in the church who had lost the joy of their salvation. And when that happens, you get immune to everything around you. And you're about your house and your kids and their education and the new dress that you're going to buy and the fancy car. That's what your life is about. You go to church, you love God, but your life is about the earth. And you can start being someone who watches the news and you go, man, the world is in a rough shape. Sure sucks to be them. And never be motivated to do anything about it. I want to encourage you today to lean your head on God's chest and listen to his heartbeat for the world. What its heart is saying is none should perish. Do you still have an inner compelling to reach lost people? And I can't be a missionary and not give you this verse. Then Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And yep, I'm going to be with you always. You can do this. This is the call to missions. You don't need a supernatural call. I used to think, well, if God wants me on the mission field, he's going to have to have this great big hand come out of the sky and say, you go to Asia. Or I'm going to have to see writing on the wall. Yeah, oh, I'm called. I'm called. That means I'm called. No, he already said go. That is the supernatural call. And if we have a heavenly perspective, this is what's going to happen. I can't wait to see it. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and to break its seals for you were slain with your blood and you purchased men for God from every tribe and every tongue 
and every nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. And my friends today, that's the big picture. This is God's perspective. God not only wants to reach the people in Canada, but he wants to reach the whole world. That's what your Christianity is about. So how big is your world? Your salvation is for an amazing purpose. The gospel isn't just about you finding forgiveness, getting a hope of eternal life, becoming a better mom or dad or daughter or son or citizen. The bigger picture is used to take your limited but important life to see people from every tribe and every nation come to Jesus. That's the reason Jesus lived and died. That's the only reason we're on earth, to bring glory to him so salvation can come to the world and everyone we meet gets an encounter with God. A fleshly view says, "Uh uh-uh, this is my life. Don't ask me to do stuff like that. I'm not stepping out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to lay down my life. I'm not going to give my money for things like that. I've got so many things I want to get. There's no way I'm going to another country. And we don't want to do something really, really hard. But God says the opposite. (laughs) He says the opposite. He says, I want you to lay your life down. Give it all up to follow me. We need to see with a heavenly lens. Because the salvation of the world depends on it. You weren't born to fit into this temporary world. And I want you to hear what God's word says today. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, dragging you down, to its level of immaturity. If we have a heavenly perspective, we will live our lives to bring God's kingdom to earth. Heaven can invade this earth. Heaven can invade this earth through you. You can help people see that there is a beautiful Jesus in heaven who loves them desperately and wants to bring them life. Young people and young adults in here, you can do that in Southeast Asia or anywhere in the world. You can bring hope to hopeless people. You can bring freedom to people in slavery. You can love abandoned children. You can bring purpose to college students. You can bring joy to broken families. You can bring healing to the nations. You can deliver the oppressed and you can bind the wounds of the broken. How big is your world? Jesus said, go. Will you go? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you have this call in all of our lives. I pray, oh God, that none of us would put up a bunch of excuses that would cause us to say, no, that's not me. Help us, oh God, to know what you're asking us to do, that we would be amazing senders. We'd be amazing prayers for the cause that you sent Jesus for to bring people to know you. Help us, oh God, to lay aside all the junk and the weights in our life that steal our thoughts and our time and our attention. God, give us a global lens. Give us a heavenly lens so we can see what the real reason we're put on this earth for. May we not be satisfied with stuff that is meaningless. Help us, O oh God, to know that 
Lives being changed is why we're here. I pray, oh God, that you would raise up amazing missionaries in this group of people. The most unlikely, I pray, those who think never me, God, you would raise them up in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray that it was we lay in bed at night that your spirit would speak to us and that we could not shake what you are calling us to do and it would drive us to action. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you could stand with me this morning, that would be awesome. Is the worship team around? Um, If anybody here this morning hasn't invited Jesus into their life and you want to have him come in and change you and make you new, I would love to give you an opportunity to come today. Um, Today can be a brand new day for you, the beginning of your life. You will really come alive. The things that you've been longing for your whole life will make sense today. I'm going to invite you in a moment to come here. If there's anyone else here today, if you're feeling the tug of God on your heart to have a heavenly perspective, or you're feeling a tug to go, we'd just love to pray with you for a moment. So while the musicians play, if anybody'd love to come, I'd love to pray with you, believe with you, partner with you, and agree with you that God is going to take your life and do something radical with it. Right here in Milton, in Mississauga, at your workplace, at your school, and hopefully for many of you somewhere else in the world. So let's just, why don't you just come if you'd like prayer? I know the pastor will come and pray, so just come while we sing.